With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I don't really feel like saying what's good, boys and girls, because there's nothing good today. This is the Two-Footed Podcast on Friday, the 5th of March. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with representing sponsor Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network. Check out their services at LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. So check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Ladies and gentlemen, I am having a bad day. I've barely slept. I've been livid, livid for about 14 hours now. Liverpool continue to assault my well-being. That's what they do. They assault my well-being with reckless abandon. We'll get to them. There was two games before their game last night. But let's just say I have some things to say. Uh, first up, West Brom nil, Everton won. I did feel Everton deserved the win in this game. But West Brom were a little bit unlucky. They did have the ball in the net in the net very late on. It was rightly disallowed. We should be clear. The decision was made uh, by the linesman. He called it offside. Went to VAR and they proved him correct. Dianya was offside. It was borderline, but it was correct. Everton had won the game through a header from Richarlison, his fourth goal in four games. He's in a great run of form. And Everton had played some good football through the game. Their build-up play was nice and tidy. I felt like they had more purpose to their game. Now, West Brom did play pretty well in this game. It was maybe the most attacking I've seen West Brom play in a couple of months. Um, they seemed to have some real purpose to the game. And Conor Gallagher, in particular, was making some really good runs between the lines, I quite liked how that four behind Diagna worked with Pereira on the right, Gallagher and Maitland-Niles in the middle, and Phillips on the left. If it had been Grady D'Angana, 
I think that would have been a very promising four. Phillips is a decent player, but I do like Dean Ghana. You just wish that West Brom had a better defence. Because the holding midfielder, Yukuzlu, I, I, I didn't know anything about him really when they signed him. He has impressed. Dianya has impressed. That four impress. If the defence wasn't the worst thing going in the Premier League, I, I think they'd be in with a real chance of staying up. Not now, because now it's gone too far. But if they'd even just gone in January and addressed it a little bit, they could have given themselves a chance. Everton went with a 4-4-2. It was an interesting little tactical tweak from Carlo. He played Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up front as a pair. It will be in Bernard as wingers. It's a little bit of a throwback to what we saw at times last year. And yeah, like I, I did think they deserved the win. I thought it was borderline, but I did think they deserved the win. So Everton jumped into the top four for a brief spell. Um, they they end the, the day fifth. They still have a game in hand over all the teams above them. So winning that game would put them back in the top four. They have moved ahead of Liverpool. And coming up, they've got Chelsea away on Monday night. Then they've got Burnley at home. Man City at home in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Crystal Palace at home. Brighton away. And then Spurs at home. So there's three games in there that they should really be very confident of winning. Burnley, Palace and and Brighton. Chelsea away and Tottenham at home will be tougher games. But there's nothing to stop them taking a point in each of them, winning one of them and getting a draw. Everton are a good team. They shouldn't fear anybody at this point. And I think they can hold their own. I really do. I picked them to finish top four. They're in a really good position to do that. It would compound the nightmare of all Liverpool fans if Everton were to finish top four. But as things stand... They certainly look a lot more likely to do it than their Merseyside rivals. Uh, the other six o'clock game then, Tottenham won Fulham nil at Craven Cottage. Tottenham started with the front four that everybody has been hoping they would start with. Deli Alley is the 10, Kane is the 9, Bale and Son out wide. They went with Hoiberg and, and Endembele in midfield and it worked really well. It worked really, really well until Jose started making changes. I was a little bit disappointed that Scott Parker didn't start Sambo and Gisa. I thought that was a bizarre decision to leave your best player on the bench for a big game like this. But, you know, Parker does Parker things. Spurs should have been 1-0 up. Harry Kane missed a really good headed chance from about six yards out after a great pass from Youngman's son or a great cross. Uh, they went 1-0 up when Tosin turned Sun's cross into the back of the net. Deli Ali got a flick on it. And I'm not sure why it wasn't given as a Delhi goal. I'd need to see a different angle. But it looked to me like it was going in from Delhi before it hit Tosin. But it was given as a Tosin own goal. Spurs won't care. 1-0 is 1-0. And they looked like they were in control of the game. Until they did that thing they do, where they just dropped off and sat deeper, and dropped a bit more and sat a bit deeper and invited Fulham onto them. 
and they almost lost lost their, their, their victory. Fulham had the ball in the net late on. It was a really good finish from Josh Maja, who, who had played quite well and caused him some trouble. But it was ruled a handball by the VAR against Mario Lamina. Now, it was a clearance by a Spurs defender from about a yard, maybe two yards away from Lamina. Lamina's hand is literally by his side. There's nowhere else he can put it. It's by his side. He's not trying to make himself bigger. The ball hits his arm, drops to Maja, Maja scores. I don't understand how the VAR can rule that as a handball. If his hand is not there, it just hits his body and lands in the same spot and Maja scores. But his hand is not making himself any bigger. He hasn't moved his hand to try and, you know, block the ball or anything like that. His hand is by its side. It's in a very natural position. It's a very stupid, stupid rule that has ruled that out, whatever that rule is. I know that they tried to bring in, if it hits the hand at all, if it hits a hand at all, it's just automatically goal disallowed. But come on, that is a really bad decision. And Fulham should feel rightly aggrieved. Fulham should feel like they were robbed. It's really, really poor officiating. And I, I want to hear an, a, a reason behind it. I'm sure Dale Johnson will have something later. But to me, if I'm a Fulham fan or anything connected to Fulham today, I'm almost as livid as I am as a Liverpool fan after what I was subjected to last night. Um, Fulham stay 18th. Spurs move to 8th. For Spurs up next, Palace on Sunday. Dinamo Zagreb at home in the Europa League Thursday. Arsenal away the following Sunday. Zagreb away on the Thursday. Villa away on a Sunday. Then Newcastle away. Then Manchester United at home. It's their next five league games. Palace at home. Arsenal away. Villa away. Newcastle away. And Manchester United at home. This is a defining run for Tottenham. Said it since the start of the season. Anything other than top four is a massive, massive disappointment for them. It's unacceptable. With the talent they have available, the players there, the money that was spent, the hype that Mourinho was brought in under, anything other than top four is really, really poor for them. Uh, for Fulham, next five league games, Liverpool away on Sunday then Manchester City at home, then Leeds at home, Aston Villa away, and Wolves at home. That's a very tough run. That's a really tough run, and that will probably double down on how aggrieved they feel after last night because a draw last night would have just given them that extra little point to get closer to Newcastle. Facing... You know, some really tough games coming up now. They'll probably beat Liverpool at Anfield because everybody beats Liverpool at Anfield. But they won't beat City. Leeds don't travel well to London, so that's a game they could win. Away to Villa will be tough, and Wolves at home will be tough. I should actually go through West 
Brom's next five because I skipped over them. They have Newcastle away, sorry, Newcastle at home at the weekend, then Palace away, then Chelsea at home, sorry, Chelsea away, then West Brom against Southampton at the at the Hawthorns, and then Leicester away. That is actually very, very tough. So you've got Newcastle who are battling relegation, Crystal Palace who will be delighted with a nil-nil draw, Chelsea in great form. Southampton depends on what form they're in. That could be that could be a win for for West Brom, but Leicester away will be tough, obviously. And then they've got a tough run after that. They've got Villa away, Wolves at home, Arsenal away, Liverpool at home, West Ham at home, and um, Leeds away. Their their last six, their last seven is really tough. Really, really tough. You wouldn't fancy them. Even if they had a chance of staying up, you wouldn't fancy them to compile enough points across their remaining 11 games. Because outside of Newcastle, Palace, Southampton, and Liverpool, there's no bad teams there. Um, Right. Liverpool nil, Chelsea one at Anfield. Um, where to start? Let's start with this. Liverpool had one shot on target. It came in the 82nd minute and it was a really weak Ginny Wijnaldum header from a lofted cross. Let's start with this. Jurgen Klopp decided that the best substitutions he could make were to bring on a fellow who who hasn't played in midfielder who hasn't played well since last season, despite a number of opportunities this season, for the one game-changing midfielder he had on the pitch. He then doubled down on that by taking off the best controlling midfielder in the world to bring on a 35-year-old who hasn't been good in three years. The lack of desire, the lack of fight, the lack of bottle in this Liverpool team, not just last night, but for the last couple of months, is nothing short of a disgrace. To lose five games in a row at home for the first time in your history is a disgrace. To lose seven of ten is a disgrace. To have not scored a goal at home since the 12th minute against West Brom in December is a disgrace. The only goal they've scored at home since then is a Mo Salah penalty. They haven't scored from open place in Sadio Mane in the 12th minute against West Brom. It's over 10 hours. 10 hours. Just think of how much you could accomplish in in 10 hours. But Liverpool haven't accomplished one goal from open play in that time. Now, Chelsea played well. They weren't brilliant. They weren't great. They didn't outplay Liverpool. But Thomas Tuchel outmanaged Jurgen Klopp last night. He made adjustments when needed. Klopp didn't make any adjustments. He openly said before the game he was playing Timo Werner 
to use his pace to run in behind. Werner ran in behind all game long and Liverpool made not one adjustment. Tuchel's substitutions didn't make his team worse. Klopp's did. Tuchel's players played like they cared. Klopp's didn't. Now, not to question the professionalism of any of the players involved, but it strikes me that Jurgen Klopp is a man who is going through a traumatic time in his life having lost his mother. His owners have let him down pretty much his entire tenure at the club, but mostly in the last two years. He, de- he delivered the Champions League. They gave him $4 million to spend. They had a massive net profit that summer. He won the league. They gave him a bit of money to spend, but nowhere near enough. The net spend over the past two and a half years since Jurgen Klopp won the Champions League for Liverpool is 7.5 million, which is the same as James Milner gets paid for one year of running very, very slowly and doing very, very little when he's on a football field. 7.5 million to a manager who won you a Champions League and a Premier League. Now, part of that is on Klopp. He really should be hammering down the door of the boardroom, demanding proper backing. He should be going public with his gripes. The owners aren't going to sack him. They wouldn't dare. The man is bulletproof at Liverpool Football Club. The owners are on thin ice with the, with the fan base as it is. If they were to remove Klopp, it would be the end of them. They'd have no choice. They'd have to go. They'd be driven out with pitchforks and bonfires. But not only is Jurgen Klopp being let down by the owners, for the last three months, he's been let down by the players. The lack of leadership, the lack of desire, the lack of fight. I understand they've had injuries. That's fine. Injuries have ruined their season. Absolutely. There's no excuse to lose five games in a row. The 11 players Liverpool have put on the pitch in pretty much every game this season has been better than the 11 players the opposition has put on the same pitch. Couple of exceptions. Last night, the 11 players Liverpool put on the pitch were better than the 11 that Chelsea had out there. They just were. Against Everton, the 11 players they put out there were better than the 11 that Everton put out. The same against Leicester, the same against Brighton, the same against Burnley, the same against Southampton. Liverpool have been tagged as mentality monsters by Jurgen Klopp, admittedly. But to me, this season proves that there are two mentality monsters. Not a team of them. There are two. One of them is the manager. One of them is Jurgen Klopp. It's clear that mentally, he's not quite where he normally is right now. Understandably so. 
The other is Virgil van Dijk. The leader of this team, the real captain of the team, the organizer, the motivator, the one who sets the example, the one who sets the level. The one that demands more of everybody else because of how good he is. Virgil van Dijk is the best player at that club. He may not get all the plaudits that he should, but he is the best player at that club. When he arrived, that team took a quantum leap. That team went from being a good team, not great, not going to win anything, to being Champions League finals, finalists, Champions League winners, Premier League winners. Others have been falsely given credit for things they have nothing to do with. They've been exposed this season for lacking the things they've been lauded for. But he is the mentality monster. He is the reason this team became great. Everything changed the minute he walked through the door. The defensive structure, the defensive ability, the style of play, everything comes from him. The ability to play such a high line and play so aggressively, it's because of him. Liverpool's incredible transitions, he's a big part of it. Their success at set pieces, him. Even if he's not the one that gets his head on the ball, he's drawing two defenders. How many set-piece goals do you see Liverpool concede when he's in the team? Not very many at all. Without Virgil van Dijk, the rest of this squad have shrunk. Jurgen Klopp needs proper backing this summer. Liverpool need a couple of starters. They need some depth. The excuses have already been started. Oh, without top four, it'll be very, very difficult to spend big money. I don't want to hear it. He won a Champions League. You gave him four million to spend. And by the way, the net, there was a net profit that summer that was substantial. So the four million to spend was money that was brought in. It was money that was brought in. They sold thirty nine million pounds worth of players that summer and spent four. Now they did buy Taki Minamino in the January. Great. Brilliant. Where's he? Oh, he's out on loan. Um, had to be loaned because without the loan fee, they wouldn't sign off on Ozan Quebec. As I say, Chelsea won the game 1-0. Not going to gripe against them winning. They weren't the better team, but they had a better game plan. They were, you know, the manager performed better on the day. Mason Mount scored a good goal that Trent Alexander-Arnold should have done an awful lot better for. They had more shots. More shots on target. Timo Werner had a couple of good opportunities. But this wasn't anything to do with Chelsea. This is entirely on Liverpool. It's time to bring in someone who's just as joyful about this as me. But first, we'll take a quick break.
Welcome back to the I Hate Liverpool podcast. I'm Dave Hendrick and I'm joined by Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I also hate Liverpool at the minute. So yeah, yeah. quite fitting. It's hard not, hard not Yeah, to. it's grand. Um, but before we get into the games, Dave, um, just on Twitter it's broke. The Fulham incident with the accidental handball, that rule has been changed in the a millionth handball rule change this season because, you know, keeping rules consistent is... Not one of the most important things in the season. See, the thing is, right, rules that get changed are rules. They're guidelines. Yeah. So they're, they're literally making this up as they go along. And if I'm Fulham, I'm like I'm blowing the roof off the stadium at the minute with rage. I'm collecting everybody that... I know. We're all putting masks on and standing six feet apart, of course. And we're marching on the FA or the Premier League or the PGMOL. And we're demanding answers as to how this has been changed now because of what happened when we've been robbed of a valuable point in the Premier League battle to, to survive. Like, they get a point last night. They're only two points behind Newcastle. Instead, they're three points behind Newcastle, and Newcastle have a game in hand. So, you know, th- this could have a massive effect on whether Fulham stay up or not. Remember, they play Newcastle on the last day of the season. If they were to beat Newcastle on that last day and, say, finish a point behind them, but with a better goal difference, well, that point they should have got last night will be the difference. Mm. It's like that point that Aston Villa got last season when. Hawkeye screwed up, and it mm. kept them up. Now, it worked for them, but if it goes against Fulham, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Fulham launch in a big lawsuit in the summer if they go down, based on that point. This is, I, I can't remember the team it was, but Man City scored that dodgy offside goal, and then the day after they changed the offside rule. It's like, yeah. Because you've been showing up that you don't know what rules of football are, you can't just change it the day after something's screwed up. It's just it's baffling for people who run football just have no clue. At just all. making it literally just making it up as they go along. That is all that happens is they make it up as they go along. Um, yeah, I, I like I say if I if I'm a Fulham fan or I'm connected to Fulham or I'm the owner or you know Tony Khan, the the son of the owner, I am going nuclear on everybody today. Now he's probably in in Jacksonville, Florida where his NFL team is. Um, but, you know, phones, Zoom, Skype, get 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 them up on Skype. Scream at the PGMOL over Skype. <laughs> See what they do. Just get Shaq um, involved. He, be, he's, he's Mitrovic now. <laughs> just send Mitrovic down. Yeah, uh, that's true. Just send Mitrovic down. He's terrifying. Just tell him to go down and put his foot through, you know, a door or a window or whatever. Exactly. Um, poor old Fulham, they've got... You know they've got no luck, and they've got Liverpool at the weekend, so well, we have no luck either. Some good news for them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Um, eight games between Saturday and Sunday. We'll do the Monday games on Monday, but uh, yeah, let's talk about the eight games. Right. So first up, Burnley v Arsenal. Um, it's, not, it's not. I don't know. Burnley. Every time I think this is going to be a tough game. They end up getting walloped. I think it was the same with Spurs the other day. I mean, what what do you make of this? I mean, Burnley haven't won in their 
last four. Um, three draws and a loss. So it's not exactly hor horrific form, but it's uh, it's a strange one for for Burnley recently. And again, Arsenal's mixed form as well. See, you're looking at this wrong. You need to look at it through the lens of Sean Dyche. You say they haven't won in four. Dyche will say only one defeat in six. That's true. Um, and admittedly only one win in that six as well. But yeah, Burnley, I mean, they're in decent form. The defeat was two Spurs. Burnley have traditionally struggled against the big six. That's just who they are, what they are. They're 15th in the league for a reason this season. Arsenal are 10th. Uh, their form hasn't been particularly good. Over the last six, they've got a draw, two victories and three defeats. Now, there was mitigating circumstances in the Wolves game and one of the other defeats is to Man City's. So, you know, you don't expect too much. But before that, they were on a great run where they'd won five of six and were actually unbeaten in seven games going into that Wolves game. So their form since beating Everton uh, sorry, since losing to Everton on December 19th has largely been pretty good. If you consider they'd lost eight times before that date and have only lost three since that date, they've had a season of two halves and the second half has been much better. Mm. Um, Injury-wise, I think they've only got the one player out, Emil Smith-Rowe. He's a doubt. Now, he might play. But I'd imagine if there's any risk over him at all, they will hold him out because he's had some injury problems in the past. Oh, no, they'll have to play Odegaard. What a shame. That's, that's exactly <laughs> the thing. They, they have Martin Odegaard, who is a sensational footballer. Uh, for Burnley, Goodmanson could be back. Brady could be back. Cork is a doubt. Ashley Barnes is ruled out, so they'll go with a little, little and large combination. I'd imagine they'll go... Wood and Vidra up front again because they played quite well during the week. Uh, they should have beaten Leicester during the week. Mm -hmm. um, and Arsenal, of course, did beat Leicester last weekend in a prediction I called. Right, just to point out, 8 of 10 last weekend. 8 out of 10 last weekend. No, I know I've been horrendous most of the season. In fact, all of the season to date. But 8 out of 10, correct. I'm going to take that and be very, very happy with it. Uh, for this one, I'm going to go with an away win. I think Arsenal will have too much for Burnley. Um, Pepe's in good form. Aubameyang's in good form. Saka's in great form. Odegaard is playing well. The midfield is functioning well. I, I just think they'll have too much for Burnley. And I'm going to say they repeat this scoreline from last weekend. And they win 3-1. Yeah, I'd certainly, I'd certainly say something similar. Um, now, next up is the battle of probably recently, apart from apart from Liverpool, the two worst teams in the, in the Premier League with, with mm. Sheffield United. Albeit they won midweek, didn't they? So yeah, they beat Villa. Better form than Liverpool. Um, and Southampton, who have not won since being Liverpool. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Um, what what do you make of this one? I mean, surely Southampton. I don't think they're in any danger of... I don't know what points are they on. Where are Southampton? They're on 30 points. Oh, God. <laughs> they keep losing. <laughs> they might be in a relegation battle. Um, but there must be, what, five points away from safety? Do you want to know a fun stat? Yes. In their last ten games, Liverpool have won three. Sheffield United have won four. Ugh. That's Liverpool have taken 10 points. Sheffield United have taken 12 points. <laughs> That's how bad Liverpool are. That's my own call for the most losses in Premier League history. 
Yes, yes, yeah. they are. Yes, yeah. they are nailed to the bottom of the table. 14 points from their 27 games. They've only won four games all season. It's just that all four of them have come in the last 10 games. We I told them, everybody that <laughs> FA Cup was going to spark something in them, that they were going to get a bit of confidence from them. And they've actually won seven games since January the 9th. They beat Bristol Rovers in the Cup, and that was the first of seven wins that they've pulled off since then, which is actually really good. Like, seven wins from 13 games is a good return for anybody who isn't in the top half of the league. If you won seven of of 13, you'd be absolutely thrilled. Now, admittedly, Bristol Rovers, Plymouth, and Bristol City are teams they should absolutely be beating because they're lower league teams. But still, it's confidence building. It helps them. It moves them along. They're in much better form than Southampton, who, as you said, have not won a game of football since beating Liverpool on the 4th of January. Um, Well, I I, I tell a lie. They've won FA Cup games. They beat Shrewsbury, Arsenal and Wolves in the FA Cup. And they play Bournemouth next in a game they should also win. But their league form has been atrocious. Six defeats on the bounce. Drew with Chelsea. Back-to-back defeats now leading into this game. And unfortunately for them, I don't think the misery ends. They've got Sheffield United away and then Man City away. So that's not particularly pleasant. I am going to say that this game ends up in a draw. Yeah, I think this is a draw. I, I, I think it'll be a good game of football. I think there'll be a couple of goals in it. I'll go 2-2. Although Sheffield United scoring two goals is going to be difficult given they've... How many times have they done it this season? One? This is Southampton you're talking about. Yes, that's that's where I think they might get the second goal, just in the fact that it is Southampton. Yeah, we'll go 2-2. But I think a draw. I I, I think a draw Mm. is the the likely outcome here. Hang on, injury-wise now. Sheffield United without all the centre-backs. Egan, Basham and O'Connell injured. Jagielka suspended. He's going to have to go with a back for surely. Jack Rodwell's injured. That's not really a loss. Jack Robinson's injured. Not really a loss. Bogle and Berger. And then Walcott, Obafemi, Romeo and Smallbone all ruled out. Jennifer with doubt. Late fitness tests from Minamino, Walker, Peters, and Diallo. No, I'm, I'm still going to go with a draw. I'll still go with a draw. I mean, it should be a fun game. <laughs> got to There's going to be players days. on this pitch that we probably haven't seen, that we don't know. That kid because... who got a red card in 30 seconds. Must be he may well play. Yeah, yeah, he may well play again. And hopefully this time he'll last, you know, a little bit longer. Or, Just... more interestingly, beat his previous red card record. You just go, just go walk on the pitch, just happy slap the referee across the face. Uh, just two uh, foot sword in the tunnel. That's what we need. Um, he really should be the um, the poster boy for this podcast. <laughs> I must. I might try and get a get a poster done. I might get get a hold of uh, Greg Hopcroft, home of Hopcroft, for any poster needs. If you've got an image that you want made into a poster, get in touch with home of Hopcroft, and they'll be able to turn that 
into a poster for you, assuming it's a good, clear image, not not some grainy old thing that was taken on a potato. But if you've got a good picture or something that you want to get blown up into poster size, Home Popcroft can do that for you. So I might get, try and get hold of Greg and see if I can get that tackle, um, which was a stunning, a stunning yeah. piece of work. And, uh, like the, he, and the did, time in the corner, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With, with, with it circled. Get the circle the time. Um, he basically kneecapped McTominay. Then, um, then complained. <laughs> and then complained that he felt it was a harsh decision. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I hope he's a good player, just with all nonsense. Uh, um, uh, next game up then is Villa v Wolves. As we mentioned earlier, Villa coming off that. You'd have to say disappointing loss to Sheffield United because if you do lose to Sheffield United, you have to be disappointing and disappointed. And Wolves, uh, what was Wolves' last result? They lost to Man City, but Man City, so doesn't count. Um, yeah, it doesn't count. And, yeah. and Wolves were in good form leading into that. Wolves had gone five in a row unbeaten. They'd won three of those games, which was a massive turnaround after a horrendous run of eight games without a win, including five defeats. So big, big turnaround. Losing to City is is no big deal at the minute. They're, they're so good that everybody loses to them. And they did give them a bit of a fright, at least, uh, before Connor Cody did Connor Cody things and gifted them a bunch of goals. Um, yeah, Villa, Villa haven't been particularly good since the turn of the year. Just the four wins in that time. Um... 13 points taken from their last 10, 11 games. It's not really good enough for a team that wants to be top half. Injury-wise, I think they're hoping to have Grealish back. 50-50 chance, apparently. Well, word today is he's unlikely to play this weekend. Uh, Matty Cash still ruled out. Courtney House ruled out and Wesley I mean he's back in full contract training Wesley so that is absolutely brilliant news he's been out for about 15 months with an ACL tear that was meant to take 9 to 10 months to repair Um, so brilliant for him that he's back in full contact training brilliant for the club to get him back as well because they paid a lot of money for him Wolves will be without Pedence, Marcal and of course Raul Jimenez um I, I fancy Wolves in this game, I have to say. Villa's form has been choppy, if shall we say. Lose, win, lose, win, lose, win, draw, lose, win, lose. That's not that's not top half form for me. That's it's just not good enough for a team that has spent that kind of money. And I, I, everyone will say, oh, like Grealish has been out. But Grealish played a lot of that and drifted through an awful lot of those games. Wolves are in better form. Throughout that City result, everybody loses to them. They beat Arsenal. They drew at Leicester. They beat Southampton. They beat Leeds. They drew at Newcastle. I'm going to say Wolves win this game. I think it will be tight. I think it will be a little bit dull. But I think Wolves will win a 2-1. Yeah, and... As an as a unbiased Liverpool fan, I really need Villa to sort their business out because they're one of the teams that need to save us from the Europa Vanarama Conference. <laughs> I'm so excited for us to be in the Europa Conference League can't, next year. Can't you wait to play like Malmo in the European final? <laughs> oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. They're gonna play Malmo in 
in somewhere in where's the what's the national stadium of Belarus? Oh, um, I'm sure I saw it was like twenty one thousand is the final uh, venue or something like that for that competition next year. Oh God. Which is um, what smaller than the river size? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's substantially smaller. It's probably what is Cra- Craven College is about that, isn't it? And that has three stands at the minute. <laughs> that is an absolute shocker. It is the final is to be played in Tirana, in Albania, in the arena Compatar. And yes, 22,500 people is what the stadium... Now, it does look like a nice little stadium. Like, it's quite compact. One of the one of the, the side stands is very small. Mm. But they've, like, raised... It looks like it's a stadium that's been built with, like, we can expand this as and when we need to. Um, but it also kind of looks like it came from Ikea. So, Fantastic. you know, there is that. But look, uh, yeah, it's a nice little stadium, but little is exactly what it is. Um, I reckon Liverpool could sell that out by themselves. Well, hopefully Nico Williams, Harvey Elliott and Rhys Williams enjoy playing in it if we get yes, that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, it's a curse. It's a curse. How are we going to end up in this thing? We won the Champions League two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be cool to be the first winners oh god imagine we bottled it well it, it kind of would like it would because you know the the most of the bigger clubs are never ever going to see this and while nobody will care it would be nice just to say well we we won that thing as well um once and then we were never in it again we, we could put it in the community shield tab of the wall <laughs> of the on a on wall <laughs> uh, so, associations one through five which are obviously the big five leagues, leagues have one team qualify for it. And then, yeah, it's literally it's literally for all the secondary leagues to have mm-hmm. more teams in Europe. Um, oh, it's an abomination. I mean, it's if, if Spurs, we need Spurs to implode again, then win the League Cup, and then we're safe from it. That's but, a fair point, because that's, that's what goes into that, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I think it's I'm not Cup. sure. Where, I think it's uh, uh, the League Cup at the moment. It's seventh. sixth. Is at the sixth? moment, it, yeah, it's it's sixth, and the League Cup winners. So at the moment, it will be West Ham. Now, would Spurs get the spot anyway? Given that City are going to be in the Champions League, or will that that will probably then go to the league, which then is us. We are seventh. So that is well, how I we think it. Get it depends who wins the FA Cup as well, because it's fifth. And the FA Cup winner in the Europa League, I believe. But Man City will win both the Cups, obviously, because, yeah. Because the Man City. Yeah. So that could, that could mean that, in the Europa League. that we need to finish ninth to avoid this thing. Is it two teams or one team that goes in this? It's one from the league. Right. And one from the League Cup. But obviously, uh... if, the top, if a top four team wins the FA Cup, then that spot will either go to the runner-up or if they're also a Champions League team, it will go to the team in sixth. Uh, I thought it was then well, push the Conference own. League to seventh, and whoever wins the uh, the other thing, but then it, that could then go to the league as well. Yeah, it's messy. Uh, let's just say that our safest thing to do is finish tenth. 
Let's just um, lose every game. We're safe at for the relegation. Moment, we're six points clear of Arsenal, but they have a game in hand. Villa have two games in hand, and Spurs have a game in hand. So if Villa and Spurs, now Villa, one of Villa's games in hand is against Spurs. But if they can win their other game in hand, which is against Everton, and then a draw with Spurs, that would leave Spurs ahead of us on goal difference, and it would leave Villa ahead of us on goal difference. And we'd be six points ahead of Arsenal, but they'd have a game in hand. So if they can win their game in hand, there's a lot of mental gymnastics going on here. But yeah, we need to finish 10th. That's It's 4th or it's 10th, and neither is is looking likely. So we're probably going to be in the Europa Conference League. Let's move on, Guy, before I start. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, would you rather be in that or the Europa League? But that's just a sad question, so I will move on. <laughs> um, I can't remember what game I want. Villa or Wolves, yeah, you've done that. Um, Brighton v Leicester. Now, this will be a mad game. Because Brighton will have 30 shots. But how many mm. goals will, that sc- how will they score, Dave? One, One. or zero? One, they'll get one, and that'll be it. So they need to keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just to to mention that um, such is the value of the Europa Conference League that should you win it, your prize <laughs> is a spot in the Europa League. Oh, so you know you don't want to win it, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, Brighton and and Leicester, both of these teams are in kind of bad spaces at the moment for Leicester it's purely down to the injuries that are mounting up uh, for Brighton it is of their own making now they went in a nice run where they beat Leeds, drew with Fulham beat Spurs, beat Liverpool but the last four games they drew 1-1 with Burnley they drew 0-0 with Villa they lost 2-1 to Palace and they lost 1-0 to West Brom, they should have won all four of those games with the chances they created, the amount of opportunity they had, they should have won all four. Now, you don't expect a team like them to win all four, but, the, you know, they should have beaten Burnley and they should have won the last two without question. They were robbed in the last game. The referee, Lee Mason, robbed them. Now, that doesn't excuse the fact they missed two penalties. They annihilated Crystal Palace, just wiped the floor with them and somehow contrived to lose the game 2-1. The problem is all season has been they can't score goals. They just don't have enough goals in the team. Defensively, they've been really good. They just don't have enough goals in the team. They've drawn 11 games. If they'd turned four of them into victories, they'd be well up the table. Uh, They'd be pushing for top half. Instead, they're looking over their shoulders at Fulham. Now, they do have Newcastle as a nice little buffer in between. Leicester are in decent form. They had uh, won three and drawn one of the four heading into Arsenal. They lost to Arsenal. They drew at Burnley. But their injuries are mounting up. Harvey Barnes is out for the foreseeable. Aosi Perez is out. Dennis Pryat is out. Johnny Evans is out. James Justin is out until some point next season. James Madison is out. And it looks like it'll be a couple of weeks. And Wes Morgan is ruled out. So a lot of players out for them. Not ideal timing. We remember last season, they got some injuries and fell apart. We could well see a repeat this season. Uh, For Brighton, Andone is out, but he's getting back towards training, which is good. 
Adam Webster is still out. Lamptey's still out. Aaron Connolly is a doubt with a back injury. And Solly March is ruled out. You look at Leicester and you just start to get visions of what happened to them last season and their collapse. And this season, it wouldn't be nearly as spectacular a collapse. It wouldn't be nearly as surprising. They're only three points clear of Chelsea and four clear of Everton. And Everton do have a game in hand on them. A Chelsea win this weekend, coupled with a Leicester loss, would see Chelsea go third. Um, only a point behind United, who, you know, in all likelihood will lose to City. Um, it wouldn't be a surprise if Leicester fell out of the top four this year. It really wouldn't. And Everton have a favourable, you know, the, the elite, Everton are playing Chelsea this weekend, but they've got a favourable enough run after that. Um, West Ham are still in the mix. Yeah, tough. I think... I think this one has draw written on it, to be honest. I think this has 1-1 written on it. I think Brighton will deserve to win. But Leicester's defence should still be good enough with Sayonchu, with Ndidi at holding midfield or at centre-back. And Fafana is back. So I think Leicester should have enough defensively. I just don't know if they'll have enough going forward without Madison or Barnes, and Aosie Perez ruled out as well, so one of their important depth pieces missing. I'll say 1-1. Yeah, and that seems to be the story of uh, Brighton season, especially. Um, and Leicester, it's a strange one, um, because without Barnes, without Madison, seemingly, Vardy's not really doing it this season, or in, in between his injury, because he had a big one, didn't he, and then seemingly rush back but without Vardy I know Indianapolis scored the other day but it, they're not really it's not really much threat in the team is there no no there's not Vardy, it is Vardy or bust for Leicester at the moment without Barnes in the team Indianapolis did score that nice goal but his his impact is fleeting yeah yeah it's, he's, a, he's a strange play he's a very strange play but we'll move on um and on to Sunday, which uh in the first game probably brings us the most important one of the weekend and just so the listeners know it is on Prime Video over here in the UK. Um so if you can't find that it But is not there. in Northern Ireland. Yeah, it's because Northern Ireland isn't part of the UK according to Amazon. <laughs> according to Amazon, in a controversial move, uh which has brought them great favour from organizations like Sinn Fein. Uh, Northern Ireland is not part of the UK. Well, Amazon does run the world, so they might have heard of something. <laughs> Amazon to get in a United Island, aren't they? Um, anyway, before we get too political, uh, West Brom Newcastle in, again, most important game of the weekend because maybe not for West Brom's sake, but for Fulham's sake, because they're winning this weekend, is. Newcastle's slow demise, well, not even slow, very quick demise into the relegation zone. Newcastle's gallop towards the championship. Newcastle have won two games since October the 16th. Beginning on October the 16th, they've won two games since then. They beat Everton 2-0 at Goodison and they beat Southampton 3-2 at home. Now, everybody's beaten Southampton at the moment except Liverpool. Everton, that was a big surprise. That was just a really bad day at the office for Everton. 
Fortunately for Newcastle, beginning on the 6th of December, West Brom have also only won two games. Now, West Brom have taken more points in that time than the tune. Um, but, you know, neither team are particularly good. Both teams look like they belong in the championship. Both managers belong in, you know, football retirement. Um, Steve Bruce could be a sneaky candidate to go to uh, West Brom, who loved themselves one of those type of managers. Um, oh, yes. Or Crystal Palace. Or Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a, could be could be a Hodgie, Hodgie proxy. Um I mean, this game reeks of a nil-nil, but I've said that a few times about these type of games, and they always end up with a couple of goals. Newcastle, injury-wise, they are badly hit at the minute. Callum Wilson's out. St. Maximum is out. Almiron is out. So all of their front three. Uh, Mankio is out. Kraft is a doubt. That's both their right-backs. Isaac Hayden will have a fitness test, as will Federico Fernandez, and Fabian Schaar is out. So... Newcastle have been decimated by injuries. West Brom have no injuries. Grady Diangana is is back. So the entire squad is fit. I quite like some of the stuff I saw from West Brom in that game um, last night. And if they play like they did against Everton, against Newcastle, I think West Brom win this game. Now, a win would put them three points behind Fulham, pending Fulham's result. It would put them six points behind Newcastle. If they could get the win here, it would give them a little bit of hope. Six points is not much to try and overhaul in ten games. I think West Brom win this game. I think they'll have enough firepower going forward in Diagna, um, Pereira, Diangana, Phillips. Maitland Niles and Gallagher seem to have struck up a good understanding, especially with the with that holding midfielder they have in on loan, uh Yukoslu, who looks a good player. Um I am going to say West Brom win this game. 2-0. I'm gonna say they win this game 2-0. I don't know where a goal would come from from Newcastle. No Almiron. No Wilson, no St. Maximum. I don't know where a goal will come from. Maybe one will bounce in off, the, off uh, Jolington's backside. But I think they're going to struggle. And I think he's lost the dressing room. That report in the Daily Mail the other day was was quite damning of, of Bruce and what's going on at Newcastle. And I checked around, because obviously the Daily Mail, you always have a little bit of a, oh, really? But... By all accounts, the journalist who wrote that is is pretty well connected. So, um, yeah, I I think Newcastle are a major major trouble, and I think they're going to lose this game. Yeah, I think when you stuttered and nearly said Diagne scoring for Newcastle, you're probably more correct than when you said Jolton. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's hard to disagree. I think. Newcastle, the dressing room's gone, as you mentioned, and if it hasn't, I don't, I, they're just simply there for a paycheck. Um, 
And West Brom, albeit not great, the January signings, although they didn't address the biggest flaw, they have improved the team. Um, Ajay must be back from suspension as well, albeit he's not that good. He's probably their best centre-back. Um, and really, like, does Sam really need to go all that defensive when jo- Joelinton's the threat up the other end? That's the thing. Like, this is a game where they don't really need to worry about the opposition scoring. Newcastle only scored 27 goals all season. Now, obviously, West Brom have conceded 56, so that is a that's a car crash of a defence. But I, I, Newcastle's defence isn't particularly good either. It's the second worst in the league on 44 goals, uh, up there with Southampton and and Leeds, uh, just ahead of Crystal Palace and Sheffield United. Um, yeah, I, I genuinely do. I, I see I see West Brom winning this game, and I I, I think it'll give them a bit of hope. Now their their running is 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 horrible as I went through earlier on. But I, I think this is a game they can win. And speaking of games, teams in the relegation zone can win. Liverpool v Fulham. Um, Dave, how does it feel going into a game against Fulham where you have to consider Fulham the favourites? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Fulham... Since the 5th of December, have only lost four games. Liverpool have lost four of their last five games. They've lost five games since the 3rd of January. Sorry, 3rd of February. They've lost seven games since the 4th of January. Fulham have only lost to Chelsea, Manchester City, Leicester and Spurs. All of them at home, by the way. They've lost four home games against four pretty good teams. Meh. You know, they are what they are. Um, Their run of five draws in a row started, and actually Liverpool's collapse began at Craven Cottage. where they go on to beat Tottenham and Crystal Palace before the rot really set in with that 1-1 draw against West Brom then the 0-0 away to Newcastle the defeat to Southampton the draw with Man, uh, Man United the defeat at home to Burnley the defeat at home to Brighton they did beat Tottenham and West Ham in between the Burnley and Brighton games then defeat to City defeat to Leicester defeat to Everton a win over Sheffield United because you know everybody does and then the uh, the 1-0 defeat to Chelsea last night. Liverpool have seven players on the injury list just when you thought things were getting better. Ozan Kabak and Nat Phillips, both on the injury list. Both injured. Nat Phillips has a back injury. Ozan Kabak is just a knock, and he should actually be okay for the weekend. Um, he actually had quite a good game against Chelsea, one of the few that can stand up and say he made his presence known. Matip is out, Gomez is out, Van Dijk is out, Henderson's out, and Cuevin Kelleher is ruled out. He's got a knock, mm. but he's been out for three weeks with a knock. The thing is, Dave, with Quebec, because he's obviously the closest to probably playing this game, would you just not save him for Leipzig? This game does not matter one bit for Liverpool. 
Yeah, I mean, you could play Reese Williams and Fabinho. They've played together before. Um, just not play for just just play Reese Williams and Billy Kamei. Reese <laughs> Williams and James Milner at centre back. Oh God, no! And and Klopp will tell us it's because they trained well. Um, mm. Fulham are only missing Rodak and Carney, neither of whom would would start anyway. So they're at full strength. Um. I'm just going to say a draw. I just want to move past this. I hate this game. 1-1. One, one. Let's go to the next one. And by 1-0, he means 1-0 Fulham. Um, Man City, Man United is up next. Now, we were talking before we started recording. Our seat, our weekend is all reliant on Man City battering Man United. But I'm sure we've said this before. Man United have a weird record against Man City. And I think you said Pogba's probably out. Yeah. So who's taken the Pogba role of having the best game of his career? Um, probably Scott McTominay. Yeah. <laughs> um, City have won 15 Premier League games in a row. They've won 21 in a row in all competitions. They're unbeaten in 28. United's record against the other big six teams, so City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea and Spurs this season, they've played seven games... They've lost two and drawn five. And they've scored one goal. Jeez. That one goal came in the 6-1 six, six <laughs> hammering against Spurs. <laughs> All five draws were nil-nil, and then they lost one nil at, at Arsenal. Oh, no, at home to Arsenal. Even worse, at home to Arsenal. Um, they have bored the, the pants off everybody in these games this season. They have the worst record of, of the big six against the big six. And um, after this one, their other big six games are home to Liverpool, that's a nil-nil, and away to Spurs, which, which already reeks of a nil-nil. So th- this is the one. This is the one where they might win a game or score a goal. Um, it's it's impossible to see them stopping City, though. Like, City... West Ham were the first team to really lay a glove on City. Mm-hmm. And Wolves gave them a bit of a scare in the week as well. But when they went up through the gears, they just kind of dismissed Wolves very, very easily. And you do feel like there is another level to come from them. Like they're not pushing the boundaries yet. They're not playing to the limits of their own ability, their own capability. They've been really fortunate with injuries this season for the most part. And the only player they have missing this weekend is Aki. Whereas United, Pogba is out. Martial is a major doubt. Von, uh, Danny Van de Beek, he, he wouldn't play regardless, but he's uh, he's out. Juan Mata is out. De Gea is a doubt, but De Gea is out with it for, and I quote, a private matter. It'll take the time that it takes. So I don't know what the issue is, but it's certainly not an injury. Um, and then Phil Jones is probably out for the season. Um, Martial is a loss. He's done okay against City in the past. Pogba tends to turn up for these kind of games, maybe in the hope that Pep will fall in love with him and buy him. <laughs> um, it's it's just it's hard to see anything other than City winning this game. United have no ambition in these games at all. And if City can score and United have to start chasing the game, it might open them up because that defense is not it's not particularly good. Um, 32 goals conceded this season so far in the top half 
only Liverpool and Everton have conceded more goals. United do obviously have the second best attack. So that, that did largely come from their 9-0 shellacking of uh, Southampton. It's impossible to see anything other than a City win. It's impo- United's form hasn't even been particularly good. United went top of the league when they beat Fulham 2-1. Sorry, when they beat Burnley uh, 1-0 on the 12th of January. Since then, they've won three games. They beat Fulham, Southampton and Newcastle. All bad teams, all games they should win. They lost at home to Sheffield United. They drew away to uh, to Arsenal. They drew at home to Everton. They drew at home to West Brom. They've drawn at home, to, oh, sorry, away to Chelsea and Crystal Palace in the last two, and failed to score in either. Teams have figured out if you stop Bruno, you stop United. It's mm. as simple as that. Like. Bruno has 15 goals and 11 assists in the Premier League this season. Of the entire rest of the United squad, only Rashford has more than six goals and only Rashford has more than five assists. So it's Bruno, then a couple of levels below him it's Rashford, and then way below that is everybody else. Like McTominay, I think, is about their fifth or sixth highest scorer this season in the league. He's got four goals. I'm sure all of them came against Leeds as well. <laughs> yeah, he scored two in that game, didn't he? Yeah. In about four minutes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say City win this game 3-1. I think Bruno will score a penalty, but I think City will already be done and dusted at that point. Um, 3-1. I agree. I agree, man. So, well, you have to come every game, like whether it's Bayern Munich or like, Sheffield United, Man City should probably be the favourites of that game. But on, on the Man United, you mentioned that top six record. It obviously they've had troubles this year, twenty twenty one, against every team. But that that struggles against the top six has been long standing. Like in previous seasons, is is that the main reason why you can never see them winning much under Oli? Because well, the main reason is that Ollie's a PE teacher. <laughs> well, that, that too, but like, regardless, you know, regardless of the talent in the team, if you go into every... like, You have to win some games against the top six to win the league. Yeah, you do. I mean, you look at last season, they opened up by walloping Chelsea 4-0 in Lampard's first game as Chelsea manager. Um, they, they drew at Arsenal 1-1. They drew at Liverpool 1-1. Um, they did beat Spurs and City last year. They beat Spurs at home and City away. Uh, they lost away to Liverpool. They lost away to Arsenal. They did the double over Chelsea. They did the double over City last year as well. But City last year weren't City. Like, they weren't at the level they normally at. They, they, they drew with, uh, with Spurs. So they did win four games against the top six last year. But it's still... Like this season, it's just it's tragic. It's tragic how poor they are against the bigger clubs this season. Um, you go back the previous year, the year Ollie took over. He took over on the nineteenth of December, and they went on that really good run. They lost to Liverpool, and that was the end of Mourinho. They beat Spurs. They drew with Liverpool. They lost to Arsenal. Lost to City. Drew with Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been good really under Ollie at all. Mm. What, six six wins? 
against the big six under Ollie. Uh, not particularly good. This season, tragic. Like, tragic. No wins. One goal. You're not winning the league by doing that. I mean, I, I know, you know, Simon Brundish likes to say beat the dross, win the league. But you do have to pick up points against the other big six Especially teams. Especially when you've got Man City in the league. Yeah, because they are going to beat the dross as well. And, and normally, Liverpool would beat the dross as well. Mm-hmm. But not this season. <laughs> yeah. In fact, Liverpool are the dross this season. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just, it's hard to see anything other than City winning this game comfortably. Yeah. Yeah. United will make it tough and they'll make it hard for them. And they'll, the, the buses, I, I've heard from my sources in Manchester, Ollie has, has leased an entire fleet. He's not just bringing one or two, he's bringing a fleet of buses. And he's going to ram he's them all in front of the stash, has he? <laughs> he is. That's that's the thing. Like he was brought in because Mourinho, in part, was too defensive and too boring, and all he's just as bad. Mm. Like just as bad. I know they've scored a few more goals, but the football's not any more exciting. It just isn't. And Mourinho didn't have. Bruno Fernandes scoring 90% of your goals. That's exactly it. You've got a guy who's having a historic season. Mm. His run of form since joining is unbelievable. Mm. And yeah. Imagine if they kept like Lukaku. I know he probably wanted to leave himself, but if you found a manager and you got Bruno and Lukaku up front, He's like yeah. now developed into one of the best strikers in the world. Exactly. If you had a fit, motivated Lukaku like like we're seeing at at Inter, with Bruno behind him, Rashford on one wing, uh, Greenwood on the mm. other, and then you've got Martial and the, that kid Diallo that they brought in mm-hmm. does look really, really talented. Like all and plus, like they bought him. No, I'm going to talk about this for a second. Donny Van de Beek. I said at the time it was a signing for the sake of a signing. It didn't make sense because they already had Bruno. And there was all these stories about all Ollie called him and all nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Ollie didn't want him. He didn't want to go there. He just wanted to leave Ajax. Real Madrid fell through and then Arsenal decided to go in a different direction. So he wanted to leave. United are a big club. He got a phone call. Do you want to go to United? Okay, Ollie, we have a deal in place. Ring this fella. Ollie rings him. Blah blah blah. We're, you know, come in, play this. Blah blah blah. Ollie never wanted him. He wasn't part of the plan. It's all nonsense. He was never part of the plan. In the same way, Werner and Havertz weren't part of the plan at Chelsea. Donny Van de Beek was not part of the plan for Manchester United. Donny Van de Beek is currently out with the first injury he's had all season. The first real injury. Virgil van Dijk has been out since game five of the season. Van Dijk played more Premier League minutes this season than van de Beek has. Naby Keita has been out most of the season. He's played more minutes in the Premier League than Donny has. Thiago missed half the season. He's played more minutes. Like, he just wasn't a signing that that Oli wanted. Oli doesn't know how to use him, doesn't know what to do with him. If that money had been spent properly on a holding midfielder, it would have been better off. But He's still a good player. So if they still had Lukaku with Bruno, Greenwood, Rashford, and then Donny, uh, Diallo, Martial, and Dan James, just because they have him, 
like that as an eight man unit that you can rotate, that would be immensely strong. Like there'd be games where you could throw out Lukaku and Martial as a front two with Bruno behind them and play a diamond midfield. You could leave Bruno out for a game, just play Rashford and Diallo or Rashford and James or Rashford and Greenwood as as wingers and those two up front and you'd be great. I'll never understand what happened with Lukaku mm. at Manchester United. Like they spent 75 million rising to, ni- to 90 mm. for him and sold him at a loss. Thing is, he was good the first season under Mourinho. He was. He was really good. And even the second season wasn't a disaster. Like, it's not like he scored four goals all season mm. and was falling over himself. He looked heavy. He looked like he put on a substantial amount of weight, but he still scored 15 goals. Now, admittedly, he did only get 12 in, in 32 in the Premier League, but... He, he wasn't... He was When Ollie came in, he was really first choice, though, from my memory. That's the thing. And, like, he has been... He has been an elite striker for years. In his three years at Everton, 20 and 48, 25 in 46, 26 and 39, then 27 and 51 the first season under Mourinho at, uh, at United. Mm-hmm. Then then 15 and 45. That's a that's a bad season for him, for a player of his calibre. But at, at Inter, I mean, 34 and 51 last year, 24 and 32 this season already. Mm-hmm. Inter are at top of the league. He is leading them to the title. He is a and sensation. And on the way, which is fantastic. Yes, and the thing is, he's only 27. He's been around forever. He made his debut in 2009. Well, you think of the managers who want him as well, like Everton, Roberto Martinez, not an elite manager, but he's manager of Belgium now. He won yeah. him, got the best out of him, seeing. I think Koeman did as well. I think Koeman was there for one of his best seasons. When he was leaving Everton, it was between Man United and Chelsea, Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho, who two yeah. of the best managers in recent history. If he went to Chelsea now, Conte would probably still be there. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Conte wanted him. And and the, the funniest part is, at the start of that summer, Conte wanted Lukaku and Mourinho wanted yeah. Morata. Yeah. That was Mourinho's target was Alvaro Morata because he didn't think he'd get Lukaku because they'd had a bit of a falling out at Chelsea. Chelsea, Mourinho sold him, uh, having originally promised him that he'd get an opportunity. He loaned him to to Everton and then sold him the following summer. Um, And there was a bit of a falling out. I think it could have been a bit of a falling out with the agent. I'm not 100%. I think he was with Mino at the time. Now He's Mm. moved on. He's He's represented by Jay-Z's crowd now, uh, Rock Sports or Rock mm-hmm. Nation or whatever they're called. So I don't think Mourinho thought he could get him. And, and United were in on in for Morata. And he decided he wanted to go to United because he was so close with Pogba. He goes to United. Conte ends up with Morata. Now, Conte still wins the league. So he's... he's was, he won the league the season. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, won, he just won the league with Costa. And he wanted Lukaku. So, you know, mm-hmm. you add Lukaku to that team, they probably they probably pushed City. City, in fairness, City got 100 points that year. So mm-hmm. whether anyone pushes them or not, but they could have had a run in the Champions League. They could have won some Cups. Mm-hmm. If he'd gone to Chelsea, I do think it would have been different. I think yeah. he'd still be there. I still think Conte would be there. 
But I mean, and he's Chelsea linked, he's should have with, had him. He's linked they should with have had well. He's linked with City, so City, yeah. That's and Byron are rumored. Byron are rumored to be eyeing him as well. So he is. He's he's on the the short list for all the top managers. I'd imagine if you offered him to Klopp, Klopp would snap him up. No, um, he's got for me. Not doing nothing. Well, that's Sorry. it. You know, who's going to miss the sitters if if not for for me? <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, we better we better move on. Yeah. Let's move on before I go too far right. into this. So we'll do we'll do the last game quickly because we have another podcast to do where you get to talk about Fulham more extensively. <laughs> um, uh, Spurs Palace. Um, Spurs seemingly got the season a bit back on track, um, and Crystal Palace have somehow not lost the last few games with with like zero players fit, zero shots on target as well, obviously. The the Roy Hodgson dream. Um what what's your thoughts on this one? Fulham have been compre oh sorry, uh, Fulham. Crystal Palace have been comprehensively outplayed in the last three games and somehow come away with five points and unbeaten in those three games. Um they beat they beat Brighton two one. I still still haven't figured out how they got the nil nil with 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 Fulham and the nil nil with United. And in truth, United didn't deserve anything more from the game. Everybody was fairly fairly stagnant and poor. Uh, Spurs away is tough for them, and Spurs obviously have won back to back games. Beat Burnley, beat Fulham. Um, Palace are without everybody. MacArthur, Ferguson. Klein, Mitchell, Zaha, Sacco, McCarthy, Hennessy, and Tompkins uh, all out. For Spurs, the only one injured is Giovanni Lo Celso. Last night, we finally saw Mourinho go with Delhi behind Kane, Bale, and Son to either side. Hopefully, he goes with that again with Endembele and Heusberg. We, I'd like to see it with Regulon and Aurier as the fullbacks, as opposed to Doherty and, and Davies. But if he plays, if he changes it and just goes with Doherty, with with Aurier and Regulon instead of Doherty and Davies, and the rest of what he played last night, I think Spurs win this game, and I think they'll do it comfortably, because Palace are missing everybody. Palace don't look like they know how to score a goal. Um, I'm I'm gonna say Spurs win at three nil. Yeah. Yeah, they should do. Just whether Crystal Palace voodoo magic can continue, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Palace Palace only need nine to eleven points from their last eleven games to get to the forty-three to forty-five point sweet spot of Hodgie. So they don't want to get too far mm. ahead of themselves um, on the schedule, and they've got some some games coming up that are probably more favourable for the Hodgie nil-nil draw. So. I think I think Spurs win the game. I, I they just have they have enough quality that they should win this they game. They have to really. They, they do have to because them. they they've got to get their act together because they have to get above Liverpool. Yeah. And look, I mean they're not they're not done and dusted in the Champions League race. They're five points behind uh, Chelsea with a game in hand. If they beat Villa in that game in hand, they're only two points off the top four. And Leicester are injury prone or like ruined with injuries at the minute United mm-hmm. aren't particularly good there, there's definitely going to be more chopping and changing in mm-hmm. that top four and Spurs still have a chance to make it so a win here will be big for them it'll be three wins in a row it'll get their season shifting in the right direction 
it'll raise the gloom that resides over poor Kev DeVries at the moment. Uh, Spurs 3 0. Yeah. And that's the last one. That is it. We will do Chelsea Everton and West Ham Leeds on Monday. They're the Monday night games, a 6 p.m. kickoff and an 8 p.m. kickoff. But that's the eight games this weekend Burnley Arsenal, Sheffield United Southampton in the saddest game of the week, Villa Wolves, Brighton Leicester, West Brom Newcastle, Liverpool Fulham in the second saddest game of the week. Manchester City versus Manchester United in the title procession and Tottenham versus Crystal Palace. Eight games. Some of them really, really good games, though. I think there'll be some really cracking games of football in there um, and maybe one or two that won't be so bad. So, so good. That's it. That is the show for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Do tell a friend if you could. Just a retweet on Twitter would be much appreciated. Um... Yeah, thanks, Guy. Thank you to you. Thanks, Fox Hunt. See you Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.